0: Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Spark to Sport, a podcast about, well, sport, high performance. And um, the reason I have that podcast going is um, I really want to give a voice to student athlete. And today I'm exceptionally lucky. I have uh, in the studio with me a silver medalist at the Under-23 European Championship in lightweight rowing, Margaret Kremen. How are you? (laughs) Good, thank you. Welcome. (laughs)
1: Thank you for having me in, Jeff.
0: So um, firstly, congratulations on that achievement. How was it?
1: It was good. It was a good experience. Uh You know, I suppose the competition season was in doubt uh, for 2020. So we didn't expect to have any competitions this year. So when we heard the Europeans were on, we were delighted. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we were training in isolation, I suppose through the lockdowns at the start of the year. So when we heard the Europeans o- were on, we were we uh-huh. were delighted. Um, so we had trials in the summertime um, to try and make the lightweight double, uh-huh. which is um, a big event for the lightweights as it's the only Olympic v- event for lightweights. Um, so... Eva and I were selected in the double and um, for the European Championship. So in September um, we represented Ireland at the under 23s and we we're lucky enough to take a silver. So
0: And how was the race in itself? Because um, you came ahead of the German, am I right? Yeah. And was it the Italian or the French was ahead of you?
1: It was the Italian. The Italian, yeah.
0: yeah. And how was the race in itself?
1: Um it was a good race because um we had a heat the previous day mm-hmm. and you know we got the cobwebs out that day and um we learned a lot so we changed our race plan for the final and yeah i think we executed it well and i suppose we had our eye on the senior europeans in october so it was mm-hmm. good practice for that and see how we raced and you know back to square one then for senior europeans and See how we get on there. How,
0: how was it to compete in with COVID and in the middle of a pandemic?
1: Um this is not
0: a yeah. normal situation. <laughs>
1: no, it wasn't. Um I expected it to be more like difficult and different than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, the Germans um were really great in the way they organized it. Um, I suppose everyone was wearing masks around the around the competition um area but um other than that i suppose it wasn't too different because we got on the water we raced like we usually do mm-hmm. and yeah no it was great like it was really great to race again
0: so the whole experience was quite positive mm-hmm, very and positive, yeah. um what's happening now where are we going <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i suppose um Like, our plan is to go to the final Olympic qualification regatta in May. Mm -hmm. So we're training for that as of now. Um, And there was an excitement announcement um, last week Mm -hmm. um, because lightweight rowing was supposed to be gone after 2020. Um, It was in doubt and it was pretty much decided that it was going to be gone. So last week they decided to keep it for Paris. So... Wow. It's pretty exciting. That's yeah, great. Yeah, it's exciting. But
0: even for yourself, in terms of training, it, it gives you a little bit more kind of longevity. Mm, definitely, you know? So, yeah. you, you know, you can project yourself. Because, I say, mentally, it was probably pretty hard to train and say, okay, I have only one shot. Mm-hmm. This is Tokyo. And it's- suddenly, now you have, you know, a little bit of breathing space. Now, oh. how did that impact on your training?
1: Well, I suppose, like, it was a great announcement. And, you know, it gives us four more years or mm-hmm. three and a half more years to um, get faster and stronger. But I suppose it doesn't change the goal for this year either. Mm-hmm. You know, we do still have our eye on qualifying the boat for Tokyo. So, um, but I suppose it does mean that we do have another shot and it doesn't mean that this is our last chance, you know, like we couldn't believe it that we're going to have another chance. And it's like, it's almost like, you know, we need to take the opportunity while we can, you know, it's yeah. nearly like a sign or something. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> So <clears throat> before we start to go a little bit into um, um, training and your life as a student athlete, um, let's go back to, to the start. And um, why did you pick up rowing? And uh, why? I mean, from all the sports, did yeah. you play uh, GA? Did you play soccer? And rowing is quite specific. Why Why rowing?
1: Um, well, I suppose like growing up, I tried a few different sport, sports, sports mm-hmm. like um I was quite sporty um but never considered rowing at all. Um like my mom's friends uh, their daughters jo- joined rowing a few years beforehand and they loved it and I heard loads about it. And anyway, so I was basically forced to, to join rowing. Um but and I was nearly afraid to get out of the car. I really, really? yeah, <laughs> I really didn't want to I I was just nervous I suppose uh-huh. you know, um because no one in my class would have done yeah. rowing and things like that but anyway, um I gave it a gave it a go and um, really enjoyed it mm-hmm. and I suppose it's just kind of addictive like any rower you'd ask like, like once you start you just can't stop like even the atmosphere in the club like the water the training like you just want to keep going and it is addictive so, um so I suppose yeah like.
0: And when did you start realising that I'm good at this thing, I can do well? When um, when did you, you know, shift up a gear in training?
1: Well, I suppose, like, I don't know, this might be controversial, but, like, I would say that you don't have to necessarily be, like, talented to row, you just mm-hmm. need to be hardworking. So, um, I suppose, like, I just worked really hard and started seeing, like, good numbers and good times and then, I suppose, when I when I started trialing for Ireland then and, you know, competing against other girls, I realised, you know, this is where, mm-hmm. this where I'm meant to be, I suppose.
0: You talked about a little bit of this addiction dimension. Mm-hmm. Rowing is very time-consuming. Mm-hmm. You spend a lot of time. Even, you know, we tried to schedule this interview. It's like, oh, I have double session every day. And, yeah. you know, my day off is in Monday. And so, firstly, how, you know, can you give us a little bit of a, hindsight into your your weekly or your daily training how many hours you do per day and then after that how are you balancing everything
1: Mm -hmm. well i suppose like we do two sessions a day every day and then we have one session sunday sometimes sunday's off Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it depends on the week but um we do so two sessions on the water and then we do um four weight sessions a week in the gym so how long
0: are the sessions on the water? How long are you rowing um, for?
1: At least twenty k. Okay. Um, on the water. So at the end of the week, usually on a good week, we'd have around two hundred and fifty kilometers done. Okay. Um, between the water and the rowing machine. So, um, it's quite a lot, but I suppose, you know, like with our event being so competitive, mm-hmm. you know, you need to be, you know, getting the most out of the weeks and getting as fit and strong as you can, um.
0: So when you row 20K, mm-hmm. like, there's no communication with your teammate. You don't really talk on the boat, do you? Um, it's not like you kinda in the chat. You don't <coughs> have the chat when you row. <laughs> well,
1: I suppose we do actually, like, you know, Aoife Casey is good for that, you know. Um, she, you know, she'd be like, you know, like telling me what she can see and what technique we think we can make the boat go faster, you know. So I suppose we would be communi- communicating that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just technical changes we can make to the boat, the way the boat's running and things like that. But we wouldn't be having a gossip or anything okay. in the middle of a session. But, um, yeah, no. It's yeah,
0: like, there's, a, there's a certain professionalism. Uh, it, it just, to me, so how do you keep the fire burning when it's day in, yeah, I, I know you're passionate about it, but how do you keep, you know, when it's cold in the middle of a pandemic? There's so many stressors around. How do you keep that motivation going?
1: Well, I suppose like at the end of the day, we have our goal, you mm-hmm. know, and like. If, if we didn't have our goal, it would be very hard to motivate ourselves. But, mm-hmm. like, even in training through the pandemic, we were doing Zoom sessions and things like that because, you know, we both, we all know, like, all of us in the lightweight women's team, like, we all have the same goal and we want the double to qualify. Mm-hmm. So if we don't do a session or if we don't feel like it, we know that that's going to jeopardise it. So um so I suppose it is the goal that keeps the fire burning. um.
0: So... Let's start maybe last January, February. There was no talk about COVID-19. At the time, what goals did you have?
1: Um, we had the goal of going to the Olympic qualifiers in May. Okay. So that was still on at that time. Um, so we were in Seville training um, on three training camps in Seville last year. Um. And yeah, no sign of COVID. So our eyes were all on that regatta. Um, so yeah...
0: And and so you were in that bubble in Seville mm-hmm. training for the Olympic codifier. And um, you heard about, yeah, there's something going on in China. I'm not sure what, but yeah. something going on there. People are mm-hmm. getting sick. And then suddenly the wave, COVID-19 waves arrives, And when did you make it back to Ireland and what happened there?
1: Um, so we were actually in Seville at the start of March, and um, there were words of COVID nineteen getting worse, and there was the first case in Ireland, and it was a small. It was getting a bit worse in Spain, and um, I suppose we were worried. Like we were, uh, we did really didn't think it would f- affect sport at all. Um, like no one knew it was going to get as bad as it was if, as it did. Um, so when we were in Seville, our first regatta of the season, World Cup One, was cancelled. So that wasn't a good sign um so that was cancelled and then we were due to come home anyway so and the following week so we came home but even on the flight on the way home um you know the flight attendants were so strict that Mm -hmm. everyone in the airport was you know a bit worried and strict and things like that and you know we were getting texts from home being mm-hmm. like you know like you know uh, like fly safe and all these kind of things you know so um then when we got home we had to train for two weeks in isolation anyway not okay. going to the rowing center so um so we kind of started our quarantine training then okay early and then an announcement the week later was that our the olympic qualification was cancelled so we were up in a heap, like we were like, you know, Tokyo still going ahead, but we there's no qualification regatta. How mm-hmm. are the boats going to qualify? Like it was all there was just question marks over everything. And it was kind of, you know, every day there was something new. And no, um, how,
0: and at that point, how were you? I mean, cycl- because uh, as an elite athlete, you mm-hmm. train for one goal day in, day out. There's a high volume of training. You know, you... you Psychologically, physiologically, you are immersed in that. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a a curveball thrown at you. What was was your reaction?
1: Well, I suppose when we heard the first few regattas were cancelled, we were like, you know, we'll still keep training. You know, I suppose we do it every day anyway. It's Mm -hmm. what we're used to. It's our routine. So we kept the routine going. Um and I suppose it was kind of like a sense of security through all the uncertainty as well. Like we always had our sessions, we always had each other, um, things like that. So, um we kept on training and then when we found out it was cancelled, I suppose a bit of our reaction was kind of like, This is a blessing for us because mm-hmm. you know, we're younger athletes and you know, it just means we need an extra few months a few like nearly a year a year I suppose, um, to get faster and stronger and and um, yeah, so it was nearly a blessing in disguise for us. But.
0: So the, the whole thing get cancelled. Yeah. And um, then it's like, okay, let's go back training, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, when did the European become a reality going back to the European Championship, the under 23 and the senior? When did that become a re- uh, reality? And how did you, what was your mindset at the time?
1: Um, I suppose, like, there was always a question mark over it, like, through May, June, July. Mm-hmm. Um, they said they'd make the final call at the end of July, but we said, you know, like, Antonio, our high-performance director, decided to have a trial at the end of July anyway, mm-hmm. Um, just to have, like, a closing of the of the season if there was nothing you know um so we were all training for that and preparing for that anyway which was a good idea because um if Europeans wasn't on then we would have taken a break mm-hmm. after that um so we were training for that and and then i suppose that he selected the boats for mm-hmm. that for Europeans and then Europeans was announced that it was going ahead so we were like perfect ideal we'll take it <laughs> So, uh, yeah, no, it was a very exciting summer, to be fair. And, you know, it was great because the weather was nice. Mm-hmm. And we, I suppose, we were all out there together. And, you know, like a lot of people weren't even able to see their friends or even go for coffees and stuff. But I suppose we were lucky that way. We were able to, like, socialise and, you know, have the chats with everyone and, you know, see people from other counties, all the roads from other counties that we only get to see a few times a year Mm. anyway. And, you know, everyone kind of moved down to Cork and were really committed. So it was really nice that way. Um, You know, it was a really nice camp environment. And we were even lucky to be going away on training camps to Italy at the start of, after after Germany, the Mm. under-23s, we went to Italy for a two-week training camp for the seniors. And, like, it was just, like, I just felt so lucky to be there even, you know, like, just to be in Italy in the sun and... You know, like even like sending pictures to your family back <laughs> home. You know, look
0: the sun. <laughs>
1: yeah, and the warm weather and just like the calm water. It was so nice and, like, you know, even if anything was cancelled, like we were just so lucky to be making those gains in the, in the in the heat. You know, mm-hmm. so it was good.
0: Like, yeah, so you, you are you you compete in the lightweight category, and um, do you have to be a certain um, weight or is it the boat? And the two rowers on it have to be below a certain weight or how does it how does it work?
1: Mm-hmm. So um, basically, the average weight of the crew has okay. to be 57 kilos. OK, so um,
0: and how does that impact on your day to day training, day to day preparation? Like, do you have uh, in terms of, let's say, food, uh, working with the nutritionist? How, how does that impact on the whole thing?
1: Well, I suppose like we don't have to be fifty seven kilos until the day of the race. Okay. Like until literally the hour before the race. Okay. Um, so um, you know, through the winter we'd be heavier than that, mm-hmm. um, just to make more gains through the winter. Um, like we would have to keep an eye on it, I would say, um, just to make sure you don't have to make a big jump mm-hmm. down to weight, um, so close to regatta. Um so I suppose, like at the moment, we're trying to build muscle, um, you know, like to keep like to keep building muscle, I suppose, to make yeah. sure that we can get faster, but, um, but to be lean, I suppose, and to be able to make weight um, at the end of the
0: year. It's, n- it's not an easy relationship to have in a way, because I'm guessing that when you're competitive, uh, when you have a drive to do very, very well. And there's this this added pressure of the 57 average. And, you know, you put on, you want to put on muscles and how hard it is not to be overly focused on the weight scale, the weighing scale, to be like, oh, no, today I don't, I'm not going to weigh myself. Do you mm. keep track every day? Do you keep track once a week? H- how do you manage that?
1: Well, I suppose, like... The first year, like, I was lightweight, so my first year out of junior, I found it kind of difficult because I didn't really know, mm-hmm. you know, how it worked and I thought you had to be light all the time and things like that, you know. But I think as the years went on, you know, you learn from other athletes, you learn from the older girls, like, how it's done and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I suppose I would say now that I don't... I try not to think about it through mm-hmm. the winter, and so leading up to a regatta then you know we'll see where we are we'll discuss it and you know like you know like we could be a kg over the day of the race but it's okay because we can sweat down and things like that you know it's it's nearly better to be that bit heavier and sweating down then you know so you can have that extra muscle you can have that Mm -hmm. extra fuel through the weeks leading up to it, you know. Um. So I think it's like, I think I would say that through the years I've learned a lot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I think back a few years ago, I was a bit more like unsure of it yeah. and, you know, not as great. Because uh, I'm
0: guessing when you, when you start into the sport as a lightweight and let's say, okay, you have to be X amount of weight average. It's very easy to put on, you know, the glasses of on off, you know, I have to be... I have to watch out about everything that I eat. You know, I can't have that biscuit. There's no way enough I can't have it. It's going to be X amount of calories. Mm. And and suddenly you watch the whole world around you with, you know, very skewed glasses on, which is, uh, I say it would be very stressful, you know.
1: Yeah, I suppose, like, I don't know, if you asked any lightweight rower, they probably, like, would say the same, but, like... Like, I suppose we burn so much calories from training. Like, if mm-hmm. we're doing 250k a week, we burn so much calories, so you have room for yes, the so nice things. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely do. And, and I suppose, like like I said, you know, through the winter, we try not to think about mm-hmm. it too much, okay. you know, except for when we have to maybe weigh in for a trial. Um And I suppose as it gets closer to the summer months, we have to, you know, make uh, closer to the weight uh, for the trials. So I suppose you'd be thinking about it a small bit then, but... Mm-hmm. Like you know, especially around Christmas time when that's I'll, it, yeah, no, no. <laughs>
0: a week and a half from Christmas. Yeah,
1: no, no, it's good like that. To be fair, and like I said, you know, we need we need a lot of calories mm-hmm. for the training that we're doing. So I suppose we're lucky that way we can still have the nice things. As
0: an idea, just to give us an ID pair, you know, walk out mm-hmm. on the boat. Or how, how many calories would you burn? Do you know?
1: Um, like I think we did a thirty-two k, um. Training session on Saturday and I burned one thousand four hundred calories. Okay. So it's quite a lot. Yeah. Um, like you, you definitely been eating about three and a half thousand calories a day. I would say, yeah, it's quite wow. a lot. Okay, but yeah. So there's room for yeah. Definitely room for it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so on on the top of that, on top of being an extremely talented rower, uh, you are a student athlete, in UCC. You is it in your third year, second year, third year in P studies.
1: Yeah, I'm in second year.
0: Second year. Yeah. So. Between, you know, traveling to Spain, going to Italy. Preparing for European Seniors, European Championship, how are you managing the whole thing? How is that possible?
1: <laughs> I suppose it is quite difficult. I'm not going to lie, Um, but like I'm so lucky with the course that I'm in, like the management and the lectures, they're just so accommodating. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, uh, this time last year, I decided to take the second, the second semester out of college, um, and Michelle Power from Mm -hmm. Quercus, you know, was really helpful that way. Um, so we sat down with Wesley O'Brien, um, who's head of PE and, um, we discussed like, would it be possible to take second semester out just to prioritize the focus for the Olympic qualification? Mm -hmm. Um, so I decided to do that anyway, um. But I suppose in May, then when everything was cancelled, I was kind of back to square one and Michelle was great. Like she rang straight away and was like, what are you thinking about college? You know, which was great because, you know, no one else was really asking that Mm -hmm. question because it was all kind of like rowing, rowing, rowing. And then she was like, yeah, rowing's great. But just remember, you know, (laughs) your education, you know, so it's great. She's like so on top of it. Uh So. So anyway, she helped me um, do some of the summer exams mm-hmm. in August. Um, so that was great. Like I was able to do a few of the modules to get them out of the way um, to make this year a bit lighter because I suppose if I was you know, to do a full year or a full yeah, a full year this year, we still have the Olympic qualification this year. Yeah. So it would have been extremely heavy to do both of them. So it was great. I got some of the exams done in August, which was hard because we were training for the Europeans. Mm-hmm. But um, it was great. So basically this year I'm finishing the second half of second year um, with Irish as well. So... Um, so I suppose it is quite difficult, but I would say that I am extremely lucky in the course that I am in mm-hmm. because the lectures like they'd be checking up on you all the time through email, you know, and even at the European Championships, you know, Wesley and Khan and Trish and all of them, they were all and Fiona, they were all like, you know, emailing or tweeting, you know, saying really? they're like just really proud and things like that. And it's just so nice because. Like I don't know, but I, you know, you mightn't see it in other course. You know, I suppose yeah. like it's just, you know, it's just so like it's like a little community, and it's just really nice to have that support. You know, outside of rowing, and um, and knowing that you know, um, I suppose no matter what happens in rowing, you'll have your your education mm-hmm. and your course, and your, the people outside as well. So it was great. And I'd
0: say, as a, as a student athlete, it's always very gratifying to get support from your lecturer.
1: Yeah. You oh, what is yeah yeah.
0: And what would you say to, um, let's say, a, a young girl, 12, 13, 14, who will be listening to you and who would like to maybe pick up rowing? And she's not sure about it. Uh, she doesn't know many people who's doing it. And what would you say? What would you say to her?
1: Well, I suppose definitely just give it a shot anyway. Um, I suppose you never know until you try. Like I said, yes. I wouldn't get out of the car on my first day down in Lee rowing club. But... Um, but I suppose, like, it's, as I said, it's addictive and um, the friends that you'll make will be friends for life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of, like, young girls, 16-year-old girls would ask, like, can I do my leaving cert and can I row at the same time? I <laughs> mean, you, you know, like, and, like, that question just, I don't know, like, I, I wrote through my leaving cert. So, you know, I'm biased that way, but, like, I really think it's so important to keep it up to your leaving cert. Um like I suppose everyone that's done their leaving cert thinking mm-hmm. back would think, oh sure, you'll be fine. Like, you know, it's not it's not the be all and end all, but at the time it's the most serious thing you'll ever do. Um but um I I really think it helped me through my leaving cert. Um
0: why? Because rowing is extremely time consuming. Mm-hmm. Leaving cert is extremely time consuming and stressful. Yeah. So you know it, it seems incompatible
1: well i suppose like as cliche as it sounds like you just have to manage your time so well like you just you really do like i like my dad was dropping me at the gates of the of the club um after school and was like you've an hour and a half in there so 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 take the make the most out of it and so like i just went in and just did an hour and a half straight on the rowing machine. I didn't get off I because I knew that's all I had and mm-hmm. just made the most of it. And I suppose I had my goals um, at the start of the year and I had my goals for school as well. So I just had to make sure I was on top of both of them. Um, and, yeah, because...
0: So- Rowing gives you organisation and structure. Yeah. Is that right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, at school, it can get very stressful with everyone, you know, worrying about the leaving, start, worrying about the exams and the prees, But then I knew, like, after school, I had the club waiting for me. Like, it mm-hmm. was just, like, open arms. It was just so nice to, like, you know, now I think, oh, going to training and doing 20K, it's so hard. But, like in my leaving search, I was thinking oh, I can't wait to get stuck into a 20k <laughs> you know like it was just it was definitely like an escape from school and um, yeah it was just nice you know.
0: So now um, the next couple of months what's what's out there for you
1: um, in terms
0: of planning do you have any camps uh, do you you know what's out there?
1: So we have a few camps uh lining up um through the winter so that's going to be our main focus to make some more gains through the winter Um, but like our eye is on the final qualification in may Um. so there's european championships before that mm-hmm. and then we'll go on a camp and um, between the two to i suppose fine-tune everything and then give it our best shot for the olympic qualifiers in may okay. Um. It's yeah, it's it's a tough one because it's um the first two boats that will make it to the Olympics so, okay. um it'll be dog eat dog but um <laughs> In it'll how, be a blood battle. But. how do
0: you um handle that pressure?
1: Um, I suppose just through experience of racing, you know, like. It's it's just gonna be the same as what we do every day. Like although it is that added pressure of like the top two or like you know if there's a medal at stake in a particular race. But I suppose we're so competitive every day in our training sessions. It's just the same. You have to do the same. You know what to do. You know how to get from A to B. Like you know, you have confidence in your training that you've done the past few months. You you know you've hit those scores. So you just have to believe that you can do it because. You've done it before and you're just well able to do it again. So in terms of,
0: yes, you know, you're competitive, but do you know when too much is too much? When you start to tip the needle towards overtraining, Mm -hmm. do you, how do you know that? Um, How do you know that, you know, what I'm doing, it's good. But I'm slowly sleeping I'm slowly entering the slippery road.
1: Yeah. Um well I suppose like we do listen to our bodies a lot. Like if we are feeling on the edge, like we'll discuss it with our coach Dominic. Um and he's great because like he he knows best. And to be fair, like it rarely happens because he's you know, trained athletes for years and years and years, so has really fine-tuned his programme to, you know, make sure we'll get the best day of our week but not overdo it either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we would take a rest day or take an evening off if we felt that we were on the edge, but um, but so far, so good anyway, you know. Like, it, like although, like, our weeks are huge, we, at the end of the week, we would be wrecked, but we'd be ready for the start of the next week um, by the end of the day. S-
0: how do you handle recovery? What's in the tool bag for the recovery? Because you have to recover, otherwise you don't progress.
1: Yeah, definitely. I suppose, like, you'd have to just make sure you're refueling after the session and, you know, getting enough sleep and all those lovely things. Um... But I suppose that's another thing that is quite tough with college as well, you know. Like because for example, last night I was up told all I was doing an Irish essay, but you know, like it's not every day, you know, like like I knew okay, when my essay's in on Wednesday, like I'll be able to chill out and relax and enjoy the festivities. But like when you are like a student athlete, like you do have to have those bad days of just slugging it through and just sticking in there and you know because like at the end of the day like it is worth it when you have when you have both balance and you have both under control and you know it's you don't have that added stress then and you know like I said like you know after rowing you have to have you know something lined up for you so um but yeah like I do enjoy having both of them but you
0: you mentioned about the physiological rest which Mm -hmm. is you know the food the Mm -hmm. sleep how about the psychological How do you, how do you handle that? How do you, how do you unplug the brain? Because, you know, as a competitive athlete, your brain must be geared up all the time. How can I improve things? Mm -hmm. You know, how how do you unplug? Do you unplug?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, definitely unplug to a certain extent, I suppose. But like the conversation at the dinner table isn't always roaring either, you know, so it's great, like, Like, my family doesn't have a background in rowing. You know, they're learning as, you know, as we go on, as the years go on. But, um, but, you know, like, I love coming home at the weekends and just having normal conversations with my family, Mm -hmm. just on day-to-day things, you know, the news and all that. And then, I suppose, just going for coffees with my friends from college or the girls from UCC rowing and things like that. You know, it's great because... And, um, you know, you'd be hearing news that you wouldn't be hearing when you're in the rowing bubble, you know, you yeah. wouldn't be, you know, all the gossip from college <laughs> and all that. So it's great. Like, I suppose just having like um, good company and just, um, yeah, just relaxing and just having other things. Do you do, do
0: any kind of uh, mindfulness or yoga or things like that?
1: Um, I actually don't really, okay. but um I suppose I enjoy like listening to music and just chilling out and stuff. But no yoga is never something I did, but I wouldn't rule it out though. Like I'd okay. be definitely all for it. Okay. But um yeah.
0: And just to wrap it up this conversation, because I don't want to keep you for <laughs> too long. Um so um Margaret, in terms of um rowing, the lightweight uh rowing is very, very specific. Um is there many rowers, mini boats uh, training alongside you?
1: So out in the rowing centre um, we'd have four lightweight women um, four of us out there um, so there'd be Aoife Casey, Lydia Heafy and Cleona Nolan who's Cleona's uh, from Galway mm-hmm. from, from Kylo but she's involved in NUIG so she's up there training away but um, I suppose we're all really close in age so we get on really well and you know it's good because we all have college so mm-hmm. we're all in the same position that way Um. So yeah. So it keeps it competitive because you know it's only two spots at the end of the day, but there's four of us going for it. Uh Um. So it's good that way, and we push each other on. And like I said, we're all similar age, so we all get on very well. Um. Through the competitiveness and stuff like that, we all get on great. And. Um. You mentioned you
0: you know there's only two boats.
1: Two seats in the boat. Yeah. Two
0: seats in the boat. Yeah. And you mentioned, yeah, we're all getting on very well, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're all competitors. Yeah. And when you train, you, you're obviously training together in, in mm-hmm. the two boats or, or whatever. Um, yeah. How is it not to kind of keep an eye on them, say, oh, they're doing something better than me, or, you know, they might get an edge here, or, yeah. or have an edge over there, yeah. or they're slowing down, they're much better. <laughs> so <laughs> how is it not to kind of fall into that trap?
1: Yeah, well, I guess, like, when you're outdoors, um we'd either be in our singles so we we'd probably be battling it out in our singles are all right but you know if we're um like when there's four of us or three of us or whatever we like we switch in and out so we all get like a chance like to go with each other and when we're in the boat with each other we definitely help each other um to improve our technique or you know the flow of the boat so that's great but and um, when you're inside on the rowing machine, you know it can get quite competitive because you're seeing numbers and things like that. But I suppose then again on the rowing machine, you know everyone has their PBs mm-hmm. or things like that. So you know you wouldn't really be battling it outside by side. You'd be going for PBs for yourself. So it's good that way. Like although it is competitive, you that you'd be going for the time for yourself and um and um, but. Like, the good thing about the competitiveness is at the end of the day, whoever is selected uh-huh. will be good. Like, it'll be a fast boat, you know. Um, it, so it, it's good that way. <clears throat> the
0: selection is purely in terms of times, or can the coach, the head coach, decide the girls did a very good time, but it was on the day, it was a little bit of an outlier. Mm-hmm. Um, could the coach select a boat um, that in relation to the time, might not be an accurate representation? <coughs> representation?
1: Um, no, I would say not. It would go purely off time. Okay. So, like, everyone would get to go with each other once and then you'd, yeah, like, accumulate all the times and there would be, like, a pace boat. So, see how this double was against this boat and then you'd find the fastest combination that way. Um, so, it's kind of, it's, like, it's very fair. Like, we all get to go with each other once and... And then they find the fastest combination that way. So there's no fear of, of that happening.
0: How do you handle the pressure?
1: Um... <laughs> Like, I suppose, like, we just have had so many... Like, it's great. Like, we always dread the amount of trials that we have. Like, we do have a lot of trialling between the ergometer and the water. But at the end of the day, it just feels like a piece of cake then. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I'm like i hearing myself say that now. And I'm like, oh, God, what am I saying? But, like, we're so used to trialling and racing and competition in Ireland that it's like, at the end of the day, it's just another one. It's just another one. We just tick the box again.
0: Well, th- the, how was it before the final? There was not another one. The, it won, the, the final for the under 23, the yeah. one with middle silver. Yeah. Before the race, that, you know, it was not another one race. It mm-hmm. was, you know, it's a final. Mm-hmm. So, how was it?
1: I suppose it is fairly nerve wracking. Like, you do have to, you know, make sure that you have everything in order your preparation, your food and your drink and your fuels and your gear and your race plan. And, you know, but like, I trust Aoife, like, she's my partner, my uh, doubles partner. So, like, you just have to have trust in your partner Mm -hmm. and trust that you have the best plan that you Mm -hmm. have laid out and then just trust in each other that you're going to execute the plan. And then mid-race, you can make a change if you want. Like, I know, like, our race is two kilometres long, so it's around um, seven minutes, depending. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so around then, there. And I suppose, like... We, you know, halfway at the kilometer mark, if we feel like we need to make a change, we'll call it. So like Eva makes a call, so she'd call it or she call it at the five hundred. Even you know you can see how you're going and, like my work, like m- like I'm guilty for having a look around and see where the other boats are. But I suppose you do have to have a look to see where they are and you know see if you need to make a change. So it's good like that. We can kind of although we have our plan, mm-hmm. if it needs to you know if we need to m- execute something else in the middle of the race, we do. So, um, I suppose it's just trust. In your plan, trust in your preparation, and then trust in executing it on the day.
0: So, so before, like <clears throat> before the, on the before the final, uh, when you stepped onto the pontoon and you, if I was there, do you know, without even asking her, how she feels?
1: Um, I suppose like I know I like I know she is like fiercely determined, and you know like wants it just as much as I do, and you know like we've you know you'd be spending every day for the past few months together so you'd be having conversation constantly of you know how we can race and how we're feeling and things like that but like and a really important thing is to like just chat and like speak about the race and mm-hmm. you know things like that beforehand just to make sure that you're both you know feeling all right and you know feeling but i suppose when you're training for months on end, and together you know each other so well, so you'd know if something was up. Like so, it's great like that, you know. Like
0: I will ask you a question I always ask to the to my guest and on the, the podcast is, can you give us a reason for optimism for the next couple of months?
1: For teamism or Optimism. Optimism, um, for for everyone, everyone, everyone out there. <laughs> um, I suppose like there's, there's luck in sight like there's you know there's a like a light at the end end of the tunnel in Uh sight anyway for everyone and because of the vaccine and for everything like that but i suppose like um like the best is yet to come in a way (laughs) (laughs) but like i suppose we have so much things to look forward to and um and we're all lucky that we all have each other and um good company good good. <laughs> I don't well, know uh, yeah I suppose Margaret and, yeah. <laughs>
0: thank you so much it was a pleasure uh, to have you here best of luck for the next couple of months thank of you. training and uh, hopefully we'll see you in Tokyo eating sushi and uh, competing out there thank you thank you <laughs> so much thanks me. a lot